Howdy Nicholas Cage Stands. Uh, one more shameless plug from me, Josh. My band, Oatmeal Pizza, is playing a show this Thursday at Three Links. This is coming out Tuesday, so in two days. This Thursday, May the 12th, at Three Links in Deep Ellum. We're going to cover the entirety of Nirvana's album, Incesticide. Our friends in Withered Blooms and Caved Mountains are also going to play. And uh, we'll have the Mavs Game 6 on all the TVs. So come watch the game with us and enjoy the tunes. And here's the show. For a second there we kind of disappeared Had a kid and took off a year Now we're both back together to break it all down Any movie, film, a series around Whoa, whoa And we're watching movies that feature On this Jimmy Kimmel episode that I watched, it's from two weeks ago. He looks great. Like, mm -hmm. can we not say that as far as how we thought Nicolas Cage was going to age, not only like cinema-wise, but like physically, <laughs> mentally, you know, like we, I kind of pegged him for like maybe having like a beer belly, really no hair, like wrinkly face, probably smoking a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I've always thought of him as too vain to ever let that happen. Like, I guess. And I think he definitely has some, you know, not terrible, but he's definitely had some facial work done. Yeah. No, I was impressed because I was and trying it, well, to figure out teeth, what it was. His teeth, yeah. for sure. His teeth have gotten so large. <laughs> they just take over most of his face. Uh, and in Jimmy Kimmel, he was just saying that he's lived, they were, they were like, you know, his first time on a show, on a talk show in 14 years, and they, they talked about him living in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you've lived for Ve in Vegas for how many years? And he's like, 17 years. And it just seems like the longest time for anybody to live in Las Vegas. And then they kind of uh, alluded to like, and at first it was for tax reasons, right? And he's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, The one of the few places that he hadn't had foreclosed on and taken away from him by different state governments exactly. from around the world. And he mentioned something about he was going to try to have, I didn't, I need to read further into this. So I'm just kind of mentioning this so you can tell me if you know about it. Mm -hmm. But he said something about like he was trying to get a movie studio in Las Vegas. But then I guess he gave money to uh, Elon Musk and like, do they have a factory in Vegas? Uh, they definitely have like the, where they're testing the boring thing and the plan to put like a hyperloop or some kind of underground tunneling tesla well, so thing. he was like yeah so uh you know I, I gave it to tesla or whatever and then they almost flooded the entire place like yeah. <laughs> and i was just thinking i haven't even heard anything about that and it makes me i guess i'm proud that i don't know anything about elon musk but then at the same time seems like he's doing a lot out there that i don't like i maybe should know about I, like i wonder how they met how how do elon musk and nicholas cage meet i i guess 
Elon Musk might be like a, a Pedro Pascal billionaire type of character who just is really into Nick Cage and wants to meet him and pays him a million dollars to come to his house for an afternoon or something like what that. What if that's what it's? What if the, that's what the movie is? <laughs> like Elon impetus. Musk is like actually the producer or director of this movie, and it's just like, but I'm good. Like no, Pedro's way cooler than Elon could ever yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, so, like, the couple things I did know about this movie going into seeing it was that, like, it had been around for a while. Like, it had been written for a while mm-hmm. and pitched to him multiple times over, I don't know, a four-year span or something like that. And he turned it down every time. Um, and I guess eventually he met the director or the director, like, sent him a personal message because it was always, like, working through agents to try mm-hmm. to convince, you read the script, please read the script. And I don't know if it was, like, uh, kind of like they were met each other, bumped into each other, a restaurant type of thing, or he, like, sent him something. But the, they finally got to communicate one-on-one, and that's when Nick understood the vision for it. Mm-hmm. And I think also there was probably, like, Maybe five years ago, Nicolas Cage wasn't in the headspace to handle this type of film, and maybe now he's a little bit more yeah, capable of doing can it. can laugh at himself a little bit more. Yeah. And it's not even like, my whole thing is that like, no part in this movie was was making fun of him for like, I guess just making fun of him, that's the period, mm-hmm. but it, it is to, to say that he is different, and I think he embraces it, and I can't even remember the word he uses for his, um, his acting... Um, He's like my whatever my schmegma theory. It's not schmegma. <laughs> I just realized I was gonna say that, but do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. What I, is it? You've seen the movie more times okay, than I have. Okay, shut Megan. up. Don't bring that up. I still said schmegma, um, but no, just like I think that he like because we've been able, and maybe it's because of the internet, like we've been able to like kind of show it as more of an appreciation instead of like a diss. Same mm. with like Brendan Fraser. You know what I mean? Like I think yeah, that yeah, like yeah, yeah. for the longest time, if Brendan Fraser would have done a movie kind of like this, he would have been like, it's a little bit different. You know, I think he would have been like, no, I'm embarrassed to do that. Like people are just gonna make fun of me. And now it's like, I think he's realizing that people are genuine. Like, dude, we know you're a good dude. We know you're tight. Ty- you know, Nick Cage is way tighter than Brendan Fraser, but that's that's just another topic. <laughs> the, the the hair plug wars between the two of them. And like the, the double chin wars. Like I feel like Brendan Fraser, like he's really plumped up. Yeah, yeah. But Brendan like, Fraser's got a big fluctuation. Yeah, but Nick Cage, like if you that's what I was saying. If you let him go, like if you let him go too much, he's gonna be Polly Walnuts. And like I just feel like he's gonna be wearing velour track suits. Like that's where I thought we were gonna I thought he was gonna be <laughs> his, his hardcore Italian click. heritage will start yeah. to show hey, up in his face and his neck. Gonna, he was going to be the guy at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, the, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 big old crime boss that has been hiding uh, for 15 years and no one's seen him because they all think he's dead. Yeah, just and just him coming up with like the big old wrinkly nose. Yeah, the alcoholic smokes. nose, yeah, you oh know. My God. And like they said, the little gut and like the little skinny legs. Like that's totally <laughs> typical old man of like, my looks like my grandpa yeah, where yeah. he's like, you know, drinking his case of, uh, Coors Ultra or whatever, and just smoking Winston's. Just that, that's Nick Cage to me. Honestly. So, um, so did you like it? I did. I mean, I liked it so much. I saw it twice, and I don't know if there was any way I was not going to like it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think I definitely think that that could have gone a lot worse than it did. Like, I, I mean, and we'll go in depth about it. But like, honestly, like it was a good, an entertaining movie. Aside from it being about 
actually Nick Cage. Right. It's very well. It's very well made film. It, just from that aspect, the storytelling is done well, and the fact that. I mean, a lot of it hinges on Nicolas Cage pulling the character off so you don't feel like it's uh, kind of a community theater type of thing where he's playing such a caricature of himself that you don't buy it. But then I think the real thing that kind of really ties the whole thing together is Pedro's role in the whole thing. Like, his, his acting, his... the The way that he plays that character and the the dynamic that they have like i think the chemistry that allows nicholas cage to let his guard down to be vulnerable like i'm and i'm not talking about nicholas cage nick nick cage that is the character in the movie but actual real nicholas mm-hmm. cage nic cage nicholas cage this is going to confuse me <clears throat> right movie but nick I, cage and then there's nick cage right um but i i feel like uh pedro's the has the charisma that is probably the thing that allows Nick to feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable. And I think that's really what drives the film. Like if they don't have that chemistry, if they don't kind of have that buddy, uh, buddy comedy type of, um, action going the whole time, I think it just, it the kind of movie falls apart. Well, and like, I even was, I was just, whenever I was watching it and I kind of talked to you guys and I was like, I've, I don't think I've seen that much of Pedro to know, does he really have an accent? Um, like, I, I kept thinking there was some language barrier and I was like, you know, I was more impressed thinking there would be a language barrier, mm-hmm. like as he has, <laughs> like he has ESL, um, just in the, the sense of like the nuance that he gives that character of like a genuine good-hearted person who's like totally misunderstood as far as like in the public eye mm-hmm. like just pedro was like a very sweet endearing guy or not pedro but um god what's his name in the movie uh you remember javi it. yeah javi okay it's javi so javi. but just that character like that made me really like pedro like i went and looked at pedro uh video like you know interviews and stuff like mm-hmm. that just to see like i wonder if he's just a really good nice actor or if he's actually like that and i think he's kind of like that like i love him so much and so they um in the interview i watched is james corden which blew but he was talking <laughs> about how he's oh i guess he hasn't officially left i don't think oh whatever but like he was dressed in like a magenta bright ass magenta suit and he just looks so cute and like when he was talking he's very genuine about like um because someone was like you know oh where'd you grow up and he's like a, a scenic place called san antonio texas mm-hmm. and you know and, and and in the uh in california or something but um he was just talking about how he was a Nick Cage stand, like you know, he said that whenever they first got on the, they got on a plane together to go to the location to film. I guess that he kind of, they all had their masks on. He's like, you could just see his uh, dazzling blue eyes through the, yeah. you know, like he's <laughs> explaining how we would explain meeting Nick Cage, and he's a fucking celebrity. Like he's like Nick Cage has that appeal that it's novelty, but it's just like a, I don't know, it just. It brought out a childlike, you know, joy in Pedro's character, I think. Yeah, I think he's great. And like you you didn't play Last of Us yet in your in your reemergence into video games. Is that the one with no, Mark Wahlberg? No, no, that's Uncharted. Okay. I mean, I heard that's a big one. <laughs> I heard that's a big player, dude. Well, Last of Us is way way more impactful than Uncharted. Just Okay, as a game. is it a pirate one or what's No, the... no, it's a zombie one. 
it's, those are a little hard for me. But it was like, but it's like a, do you have it's a, goal? a human, it's a human drama about how the humans are dealing okay. with it, not necessarily about going around and killing zombies. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, it's more of a survival, no, a survival type thing. Yeah, I need to, to save it. my kid from the, you know, from the murderer that has the balloon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got to have something to live for. It's well, not he's gonna to... play the title character of Joel, the main Joel. character in that when. And I think it's going to be an HBO um, limited series when they when they finally air it. But it's how do you be feel awesome. about that? Excellent. I mean, I hate to be this person, but like I do do I do miss just when we would have a lot of movies. Like now, it's like I I have to dedicate so much time and like to continue to watch something. Like I really got into Severance when it first came out, mm-hmm. but then it's also such an emotional load to carry around all fucking week and like get to the next episode and you're like, well, you can wait and binge it. I guess. But then it's just like, you know, you're, I guess I I would need to do it in like hour 42 minute increments or however long a movie is, is because then it's like when I'm done with it, I kind of want to be done with it. And if I got to keep going back to the well, no, maybe if it's a good movie, I'll, I'll be in. Yeah. I've, I've kind of, uh, become a fan of not not like a as if it's a full-blown tv show and it's going to have multiple seasons but these like limited series where it's like four episodes or six episodes that are each an hour long i feel like it gives more room um to have like real moments inside of it when you're telling a story like have real character development moments not just like you're jumping everywhere from 20 seconds to the next and like suddenly times traveled and all yeah, of a sudden we're supposed to, to just understood story. that like, oh yeah, they bonded. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I like, I, I do definitely like that because you can have the first episode is like, you know, the before, mm-hmm. the middle, the after, and then today. Um, I definitely like that, but it's like, I think when they do series to where they'll renew like another, I'm like, oh, you just, you're just you just dragging this out now. I just want you to like seal it up in an envelope that that's how the characters are living now and I don't have to think about like how they're going to progress. Like, just put them all to bed. I don't want to think about them. This doing is why you else. like Law and Order. Exactly. Just self-contained little capsules of information. Nothing really matters from one episode to the next. Exactly. You don't have to watch them in it's order. It's not an investment. I mean, I did do that during maternity leave, and I've seen every episode of Law and Order SVU. Um, but it's like you know, you do start to wonder, like, as they got further on and I think as we saw like cinema change they want you to care about the fucking main characters and Mm -hmm. it's like now we know that Olivia's you know Olivia's a product of rape like that's the we have to have a little thread that somehow like can start to carry through these shows because my mother was raped (laughs) and then the next one it's just like you know I know because I was physically assaulted in a jail cell whenever I was uh, going undercover that's why I'm in the special victims unit I mean like and that in particular like I said gone on way too long we need like she was done being the fucking main character like 2004. But that's, see, that's the problem. Is what happened was uh, she got you know so invested in the one character that now the only way she can work is if this show continues to go on. forever and perpetuity. <laughs> Anyone involved with it now is just stuck. We can only but, like, do long. I kind of want a, a, a series where it's like you know we decide that SVU is going to come to an end or she's going to come to an end but maybe make her have like a mini series where she can fucking kill somebody like, she becomes just, like a private detective hell yeah or, or I'm just saying like I said end her story like end mm-hmm. her story whether it's like she finally you know goes crazy and she starts fucking murdering people um, whatever it may be like the the Hugh Grant the Hugh Grant one that was the limited series I can't remember what yeah called. yeah yeah with uh, Nicole Kidman yeah like that was a perfect example of like perfect timing of like episodes you ended and you kind of felt somewhat contained but we're ready to to get more and then Mm -hmm. it ended it was over 
And but, you liked it because Nicole Kidman sang the intro song. Oh, yeah. And That's you like know, her new I, thing. She gets to sing the intros to all of her shows. And you know me. I'm always like telling DC, like, did you know she can sing? Yeah. She was in Moulin Rouge. Well, she didn't know she could sing until she did Moulin Rouge. Is that more aggravating to you as an artist, like a musical artist, to like hear celebrities be like, yeah, I didn't even know I could sing. And it's like, you fucking can't. Like, <laughs> it's, it's auto-tune or it's like Nicole Kidman's kind of... Uh, an acquired taste like I wouldn't say she has a bad voice like she can yeah, carry yeah. a tune but there's definitely people who are like doing sing talking and comparing it to like actually having you know Look, having I pipes. don't have a lot of room I sing all the intro songs to my shows too exactly and and everyone has to be like you know he's also in a band they're playing this Thursday night <clears throat> yeah yeah Shh, secret oh what? no no one's supposed to know about it we're trying not to have anybody show up oh is that <laughs> A good thing. <laughs> how are you gonna get paid? It's how we stay underground by oh, making dude. sure no one ever comes to any by, of our shows. By making a band that I would have no concept of what it is. Like <laughs> my TC had to tell me it's like a Nirvana album that's not as popular as the most popular album. I don't it's, know. It's uh, it it would have been their second album that was released on Sub Pop if they had stayed on Sub Pop, but when you know they got big because of Nevermind, so then it didn't get released, and so it had to be released later after Nevermind as like a compilation. So, Naturally. but it's basically a lot of just B sides and a couple mm -hmm. live performances and stuff. Them covering a lot of cover songs, which is fun. So, you know, we're gonna cover Nirvana, covering Devo. And... Are you going to do costumes, or are you above that now? What's uh, too we're not. Uh, well, it's, you know, I don't know if maybe you know maybe uh, where where like a. Uh, uh, old lady nightgown and get pushed out in a wheelchair. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of time to decide this, but to and I don't even know how we got here, honestly. But I'm glad we're here. Um, I think just in general, though, like I said, I was I literally I really enjoyed Pedro's character just as much as Nick Cage's, and I think that that is like signs of I guess a good actor, but also the script was well. Like you cared equally about both of them. And like mm -hmm. Nick Cage is supposed to be the front runner. But I find my I found myself being like, oh, I love him. I love Javi. Yeah, yeah. I and that, that's there's some really interesting dynamics to this movie because it is a movie about making a movie about making a movie. <laughs> it's there's three, you know, nested eggs in there. You know, we did uh adaptation, which was a movie about making a movie. Mm -hmm. Or it was a it was a movie about writing a movie, mm -hmm. which was adapted from a book. So there were three layers there in a Nick Cage movie. And in the in the movie, it was detailing part of the like it was it was as you were going along. Yeah, like, with the yeah. script. But this one, because it's 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 so weird to kind of think about. So you have to really figure out who's the villain. So is the villain Javi's cousin? And I kind of think no, like the villain is is Nick Cage, but not. Not Nick Cage, the one who is also the hero of the film. It's Nicky Cage, Nikki. like the the his alter ego that almost gets him and his family killed. <laughs> but also, like, do you think that Nick Cage has actually had those conversations with himself? I I don't think that because he talked about this when he did uh, Reddit. Ask me anything about this movie, and. Um, like the original imagination in the script for that character that was sort of like the the bad angel conscience character mm -hmm. of Nick Cage um, was that that was just going to be a manifestation of Cameron Poe from 
Con Air, uh-huh. like talking to him all the time, like, no, we're we're badass, you know, action star type of thing. And um that so Nikki was feedback that Nick Cage came up with um after reading the script saying, Yeah, but see, Cameron Poe was a character. Like there is a guy who's worse than Cameron Poe that would give me all this terrible advice. And you know who it was? Me in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> and like I like like I said, I hadn't I didn't know that character. I figure it was like early on in his career. I mean, I was a fan of him in Moonstruck, but like that was not even like prime Nick Cage, like going batshit crazy over over performance. And at Alamo, like we missed it for the, the first one we saw, but, like, the second one was showing all of the classic freakouts from, ev- like, all of his movies. And there were some, like, I've never even heard of, like, where he's, like, an artist, I guess, and he's, like, just smothering paint all over him and just really overdoing it, but mm. just realizing, like, how many opportunities he's been given as an actor to act like a complete imbecile and, like, I feel like overdone it, like, you know, where they oh, yeah. would have they would have wished to drawn him back. Like we talked about with Raising Arizona and the Coen brothers being like, oh, my God, he was such a chore <laughs> the, the whole time. Um, yeah. the And he talks about, too, that he was like considered kind of a acquired taste art house indie film kind of actor that you would get to be some kind of quirky role or to make your indie film really stand out. That's what yeah, the, the beginning gay, the of his career uncle. was. Yeah. Um, and so it's not like the mythology of Nicolas Cage is that he was always this huge Hollywood action star. And if anything, he's kind of uh, the the guy that no one expected to become an action star yeah. when he became one. Like he was not Tom Cruise. He no. was not, you know, those types of guys, um, at, you know, not. Like you find him handsome, of course, but mm-hmm. he's not the the handsome, right? That, he's not like, the I, I leading get that. Hollywood yeah. man. Handsome was at the time. Yeah, Harry. He's got you know he's yeah, a ton. Just fucking like, Richard Gere type of guys, you know, with the Richard. like. Um, but that that was like at, in 1992, he was so jacked up on himself coming out of his indie stage that he he like had his own manifestation goals of becoming like a James Bond style, you know, action adventure hero. (laughs) And that's, but that's how he, you know, ends up pursuing, um, Con Air and Face Off and The Rock and all those immediately happen after that sort of... Regarding Tess. Yeah. (laughs) Was that not the best reference when he was like, and me and my father, we would agree on just one movie. That was Guarding Tess. (laughs) He's just like, what is, I can't even remember the guy's name, the... Oh, and I, just, I remember it because I... You've seen the movie twice, maybe. I'm talking about Tess, regarding oh, oh, Tess. Oh, oh. When he's just like, you know, that character, he was, you know, so simple. And he's like, oh, I think he was actually kind of a, a well-developed character. You know, had many <laughs> sides to him. Doug, not Doug Hornsby, but it was some weird name like that. I do like how they're always like, their fallback is like, and we're going to sneak in a little bit of King Lear. Like, that, like, if you can notice that there's like a little subtle nod to King Lear in your film, that's what makes it great. <laughs> But like, don't they do that multiple times? Yes. And that's why I'm like always thinking like this is this is kind of going over my head at this point. With did the it make you want to go back and read King Lear? No, oh. I don't. I've never even read King Lear. Couldn't tell you. You know, it's it's considered one of the. Uh, it's like the role that a lot of, uh, you know, 
big well-to-do type of actors are used to be drawn to play like if you got to play Lear like that's a top you yeah. know mad king you get to do all the awesome monologues type of type of role mm -hmm. and then you know you got the underling ones beneath that from Shakespeare you know Macbeth is probably the next one and then Hamlet below that one and um Othello below that yeah. one but like Lear what used to be the one that everyone was like oh if you can pull off Lear I just <laughs> love the the start of the movie where he's talking to the uh to the director which i couldn't i already forgot who it was this is this is my nighttime activities coming back to haunt me where i can't remember oh things. yeah you can blame it on that yeah is it lynch yeah okay oh yeah no he because he said he wanted actually david lynch to have a cameo in the movie mm -hmm. but i don't yeah so that's what i was taking from that 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 was him whenever he's doing the he's like you know i'll even read for you mm -hmm. and then he, he does the read there's a part of me that, like, when the the guy reacts and he's just kind of like, holy fucking shit. Like, is he doing that because he's just like, I just got to see Nick Cage do what Nick Cage does? Or that was good. And I think it was... I, I think it was a mixture of, wow, this guy's so fucking desperate. It's sort of like... Uh, when uh, you're like, oh yeah, we're you know you're you're just thinking like you're hanging out, and then like the drug dealer thinks he's just hanging out with the guy, and then all of a sudden the guy like drops to his knees, and like I will suck your dick if you just give me a little bit more <laughs> right now. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like shocked. I think I guess that's a good way to put it because that's that was how it starts, and so you kind of get this thing where Nick Cage just thinks like, oh yeah, I just really fucking killed it, just fucking red in front of him in front of, at the Ivy or wherever mm -hmm. you know whatever hotel they're at. Um, but yeah, like that's where I think you then get introduced to Nikki to where I just was a little taken back by the CG because like I oh, the, is it the CGI yummy. or whatever? Yeah, yeah, it's just like and that's what that's what I asked you guys the real pothead thing of like, what if they don't have actors anymore? They just are doing CGI <laughs> well, of actors. He's playing. not a, he's not an entire CGI generation. It's just Nick Cage with uh, like a filter on his face. You don't like an Instagram style filter on his I face guess. to make him look younger. But I'm just saying, okay. But like, what's to stop you from having it be your body, and then we put Nick Cage, and then we don't need Nick Cage? Oh yeah, well that's what the deep fakes yeah, are. Exactly. If you have enough footage of, it. but like, is... it's still a thing. Like, you'd have to have an actor there who would then have a bunch of pinpoint dots, you know, on the face to do the facial mapping. And I wonder if you. I mean, and obviously, then... there's probably a liability, a legal issue of like saying Nick Cage is in the movie and it's just Josh. Right, right, right. Yeah, if you're stealing someone's likeness. <laughs> Although, like, movies have done that before where they, uh... Just put the disclaimer out, like... Right, right, where it's, like, obviously a person playing in makeup as if it, they're someone else. But I don't... But then, of course, in the credits, it's never like, this was actually Wilford Brimley in our movie. It was a guy know. dressed up Shit. as Wilford Brimley. <laughs> it's a big time, dude. Um, yeah, I, I think the, um... The, there's a lot of other things that... You know, the, the movie, in, you know, drops you right in with the Cameron Poe scene. Right. <laughs> so so you, you're, you're kind of get geared up like, okay, we're in for some kind of slapsticky, over-the-top comedy moments. That's what it sets you up at the beginning. And then you immediately see the read in the, in the, uh, in the <clears throat> lunchroom scene. And then Nick talking to Nikki in the car, you know, having the argument with his imaginary friend in the car. And then you get 
all of a sudden it brings you back to reality because now you have the interaction with his wife, his ex-wife and his daughter. Like that, that's the other thing that made the movie all of a sudden dynamic. Like it could have just stayed that note. Yeah. Yeah. Like almost a dumb and dumber level. Yeah. You know, funny comedy note. And you could have done the Pedro Pascal thing still, and you could have done all of that. But when you introduce them, um, the ex-wife and daughter, and they have real stakes. Like for them, it's their 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 lives are real. They're not these, you know, fucking playboy wannabe Hollywood stars living right. off of credit cards and you know whatever, living in a hotel, yeah, like owing six hundred thousand dollars for the hotel. She's she's graduating high school and wanting to go to college, and like these are like she's got real stakes going on in her life, and so her dad does has her a mom scorpion belt. Everything. Right. <laughs> And I think it I think it was just great because one, it like it that is that is kind of where I was saying, like, he's kind of the only one who could do this movie because like you would believe that he probably has a strained relationship with his children based yeah. on like the the previous choices he's made. And I do love that like when that scene starts out, it seems like he's talking to his therapist. Um and he's just like, you know, this is be really big for me i then almost thought that he was talking to an administrator but he when she tries to bring in the daughter but then i'm realizing it's just probably a therapy session for both of them but he's just like overtaking it like he does everything and (laughs) that's just the first the first example you're getting of it that not only is he extra on film like he's fuck he's always fucking on Mm -hmm. and like even when he's talking to his uh his agent you know what I mean? Like he still has like the button doesn't click off. Like he's not he's not acting as an actor or whatever. He is just Nick all the time. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah, I, yeah. I don't know anybody else that like could have pulled this off to where I was like I literally was like, wait, is that really his daughter? Like I'm I'm buying this. Yeah, I they would have had if it was a movie that was not about Nick Cage starring Nick Cage. Like, you could have, uh, like, created this movie of an imaginary character, but then you would have had to set a whole lot of stuff up. Like, you could have, like, you know, had Sam Rockwell play the character, but then you would have had to create kind of like, uh, oh, what's the movie that's going off in my head right now? The fake Vietnam movie with... uh, Forrest Gump? No, no. (laughs) With Ben Stiller and... Oh, Tropic Thunder? Tropic Thunder, yeah. So you know how they did the whole thing with all the fake trailers in the beginning to establish who all the different movie stars were to kind of give that back? You'd have to almost do something like that, like Sam Rockwell. You'd show his whole, like, arc of his career for the first 20 minutes of the film just to get that established. And then you could bring in the daughter and stuff and be like, okay, now he's a real person too. Um, But I, I think it does show something of, like, there was the, it was a real thing that Nicolas Cage wasn't just a guy who just showed up and then when they said action, then he became Nicolas Cage. Right. Like he was that all the time and everyone complained about it. Co-stars hated him for it. Like there were a lot of yeah. conflicts in his career. So it's not far off to imagine that that would also extend into his personal I mean, life. I'm almost like glad that it does because then that would seem like you do have some control over it. And like... If not, like as an actor, it was like you're working with other people. Like you just don't think that you need to comply with like normal uh, pleasantries. Like he's just like, yeah, nope, yeah. I'm doing this. It's not even method acting necessarily. Like no, it's just, no, it's it's, it's just like it's just narcissism. Zone. Like yeah. he's so in inside the narcissism well 
that even in the therapy session when they're telling him to his face that the things that he does with his daughter are not the things that she has ever wanted to do in her life mm-hmm. and he's and then he's like no but you don't understand i'm <laughs> right it's there's always I'm an sharing excuse. myself with her and obviously because i'm her father she's going to appreciate all that yeah no i was like I, that's the perfect thing of like the the crafting your kid um and it's really hard because right now, I've within the last week or two, I've had a very tough battle with my daughter of her asking to watch Peppa Pig. Uh-huh. And, you know, we don't allow that in our house. Because um, of, of the empire? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my husband has a disdain for the British. Um, but it's not, it's not even that to me. Because, you know, I'll watch a good British, you know, British show every once in a while. It is literally the drawing is god awful. Like they're pigs, but their heads look like hair dryers. Like yeah, old it's like fashioned. South, it's like South Park animation. It's, no, it's worse. <laughs> like it's it's god awful. Like Izzy could probably do a better job. But regardless of all of that, it's a kid's show. I watch a lot of these fucking kid shows. A lot of them suck, but none like this. And I kind of have gotten to a point where I'll be like, you know, do you want to watch something else? Mm-hmm. She's like, no. And then she'll sit there and she'll be like, do you like it? You like Peppa Pig, don't you, mommy? And I'm like, I said, no, I don't. But I love that you do. Because it's like, I don't want her to think that, like, there's a condition on, like, you keeping me. Like, you don't have to keep me entertained. You don't have to keep anyone entertained. Like, if that's what you like, then that's great. But, like, then it was kind of like, she was like, no, but say you like it. And Val- validate. Right. Yeah. And so I, I was like, that's why I try to say, like, she doesn't get the nuance of like, you know, I don't like it, but I'm so glad you do. And it right, brings right. you happiness. Yeah. She doesn't understand She's yet. Because like, right. No, so far, it's like, like it. everything that you have said is good is what is good. And everything right. that you have said is bad is what is bad. So she now has to confirm something that she thought is good. I'm confirming it's but good, that's right? Really, that's a really tough call to for me to make. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be the person who's like, nope, not cool. No, yeah, this is cool. You know, like, I don't want her to be growing up thinking she has to love Rushmore and fucking Nick Cage. Like, right, right. <laughs> she, I mean, she obviously will. <laughs> You're going to be some elitist about all of her art choices. <laughs> Are they related to the Coppola's? Then fuck no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but she, but she very... loves 1930s art house indie films that are four and a half hours long. <laughs> you know what? She watched drive and she no it wasn't drive it was spin that was the big one that like made no fucking sense but i mean it does like when you think about whatever (laughs) i'm I'm just gonna start defending the coppola's for their acting yeah there you go but no i I guess that's that's where i loved that part of the um of the outline of like their relationship where i think a lot of parents do this and don't realize it like it wasn't that that was whenever i realized it but it was after we all were talking about it and how it can be so innocent as like, no, I just really enjoy it. So like, why wouldn't they enjoy it? Like, they seem like they're a cool person. So then it puts a lot of pressure on the person who doesn't like it to be like, yeah. no, I don't like it sucks. Or and like, then you think less of me or I think less of you, regardless of like how the relationship goes. But that's what I do worry that TC is going to be like, do you want to watch this 1989 uh, Notre Dame game for Syracuse <laughs> or something? Like, well, we really and killed I'll, them. I'll, I'll give you a present every time you watch it. <laughs> but that's like but that's like i i think i feel like using it using the same tools that we do for everything else on like things that he wants or he likes so it's like you know get her a present it's the first day it's the first notre dame game yeah notre dame season opener that she'll get a gift so like you know in her mind, she's like, oh, it's Notre Dame's coming up. I'm about to get a present. <laughs> and then it's like, well, what if they fucking suck every year? Like, yeah. that's going to be terrible. What, if she, have this what if she wants to go to Michigan? Is she going to stop dude, getting presents? Dude, 
We've talked, we haven't talked in depth about it. We just think that there's no, like, we think, we think. We think. No, it's okay. People in the house, and I sometimes agree. I just think that it's like, it is what's presented to you. Like, I didn't have a, a college to root for in in my mm. house, and I didn't go to college. Like, there was no push there. I would think if we're always talking about Notre Dame, we're going to see it. Like, it becomes a novelty, and, like, she may want to go there, but it's not like we're going to be like, oh, my God, you can't. You want to go to SFA? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, bitch, if you want to go like, to. Yes, so much cheaper. <laughs> I mean, my thing is that it's like I have a hard time telling her that college even fucking matters. Right, like, right. And that I'm going to have to, like, no, why don't you just take this like this money that we're saving and you go across the world? and like travel and you know maybe you want to be a, a cook I'm like I would have loved to have had that but she just I just want to work for Greenpeace mom okay sounds good uh, I've saved $500,000 for you in this account because I thought you were going to Notre Dame and I thought you were going to be pre-med but uh, <laughs> but that's okay but we can I, buy you a house instead now, now we can retire <laughs> thank god we're only 75 years old <laughs> Didn't yeah, think it's, about that. it's tough because you know like how how is a kid going to know what it's interested in if it has no experience of the things that it might be interested in so it's like you do have to expose them to a lot of things in order to even find out if they're into it so it is under your control to decide what those interests are yeah and we just have limited no peppa pig in our house right right but then she you went have to, her to friend's house. you have to figure out like where are those where do we draw those lines? Are we offering a diverse enough palette yeah. here for not her to try the... all the things? Because there's not enough time in a lifetime to try all the things. So do we pick and choose a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B? Is Are we mixing it up enough? Yeah, she's got to have different accents. Is she going to, you know, like my parents were, you know, worried that I was becoming way too much of a jock when I was a little kid. And you? Yeah, yeah. Like, and... Uh, way too, way too, like into war, um, and like Desert Storm or yeah, Vietnam. Yeah, like Desert, well, like I was, I was a Civil War junkie as a little kid okay. too. So like I read well, every book saying, about is, like, Civil War. Are you like you got your little helmet on your yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and during you know uh, Desert Storm, like I was mapping all of the fucking. Were you trying to enlist positions of everybody? No, no, I was only nine. Okay. Fake documentation? You weren't doing that in your, in Not your, yet. In your little dark room? I, I was writing letters to congressmen about how I wanted to be a fighter pilot, though. Um, How'd that work out? Uh, I don't want to go through it right now. It's it's embarrassing. I um, I know. I, I, that was the whole like reason I was asking. <laughs> Just keep going. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that that's kind of when uh, my dad was going to UD at the time and you know it was all about Plato and classical education and diversifying interests of your kids and so he was like oh now I'm worried that my kids becoming too butch too manly so that's when he brought home an acoustic guitar and it's like and we had an electric keyboard and it was time to do music and it's not like they ever were like okay now you got to go to guitar lessons I never took a, like a guitar lesson or a piano lesson or anything in my life it was more like oh this is here now so now I have a cool thing that I can just sit in my room and mess with all day. Yeah, so did you just learn by, like, trial and error? Oh, yeah. Just by ear, listening to lots of different, all the bands that I liked and then trying to replicate it. Yeah, that's my biggest thing about, like, playing music in general. Is I was really big in the, into the piano, but, like, my brother and sister got lessons, but because they never went through with them, my parents were like, you don't need lessons. Um, <laughs> so, like, I actually wanted them and didn't get them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And so, like, I literally had my sister tell me, like, what were the notes? I used to go and, like, I put tape on our piano, which really pissed my mom off because mm-hmm. it's still there. Um, but I would say A, B, C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I literally would listen to us. I, I keep saying literally. I'm sorry. It's my crutch word. <laughs> but I would listen to a song, play it, or, like, sing it and try and, like, get the tone with my with the piano. Mm-hmm. But then it's, like, now I think if I were to ever go and get lessons, like, I kind of do want to get, like, adult lessons. I don't want to fucking read sheet music. Like, give me one eight hundred chords. Chords.com yeah. is what I fucking need. Just remind me how to do the minor and major of F and whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, that's that's just the disheartening part. Is like, I never got to get into something where I was like, I'm gonna write music and I'm mm-hmm. Fiona Apple. And no. Well, and that's the thing is like, I, you have you have to like the kid is gonna find something that they're into. Whether it's building models or playing football or whatever it is, like, but whatever that thing is, you'll kind of know because that's the one that you won't have to be like dragging their ass out of bed to do, yeah. um, because they're they're going to be up in the morning doing it before you even wake up because they're yeah. so obsessed with it. Um, I, I think probably everyone has something like that. It just depends on how early you find what it is and if you have the chance to spend enough time you know, doing it. So. Did you want to watch this clip? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the invention of, uh, of of Nikki, Nick Cage said it came from uh, this show that he went on in 1992, the, the Wogan show. Uh, I forget what, uh, it's a UK show. I forget what movie he was promoting. Maybe Wild at Heart. Yeah, I, I read about it. that's what it looks like. Okay. From the. So I haven't seen this. Neither has Megan. So we're just going to watch his intro into the show here real quick. Welcome, Nicholas Cage. Okay, he, okay, wait. He just walked out and he did a front handspring and he almost busted his ass. <laughs> and doesn't look that affected. Like he's still fucking going. His pants seem a little too tight. Oh. Is that cash or are those cards? He either pulled a wad of cash out of his pocket or a deck of cards and started slinging it into the audience. Well, under, understatements, the watchword tonight. Oh, my, hang on a second. My mic, darn it. All that physical activity just took my mic off. <laughs> you did a bit of that in Wild at Heart when you danced it. Sure all did. Those, all those karate uh, kicks. Wild at Heart. All those karate kicks. You know, I'm sorry about that. I just had to get off my chest. You know, I was a bit wound up back there. So. Well, you worked up. Well, I was just a little worked up. Do you get, do you get carried away? <laughs> Well, I don't know if I get carried away. I just sort of have a good time, and you know, you invited me on your show, you, so I'm just gonna have a blast. A blast. Eh? That's right. Do you, do you find that kind of thing <laughs> loosens you up just to do a handsprings like that? Because I do that quite often. Do you? But, but <laughs> before we start, I don't. I don't do it then. Me, and, me and Harry. I wouldn't pay with Because you know who you remind me of. You remember the uh, TV Arnold show? Schwarzenegger? No, the Avengers. <laughs> the Avengers. Remember Mr. Steed? Diana Rigg. I remember. Diana Rigg and Mr. Steed, yeah. the Avengers. Give it up for the Avenger! All Thank right. you. <laughs> what a fucking weird ass. Is he high? Now tell me about you. Let's talk he, about he's you. He's the now, embodiment sure of just walking cocaine right now. <laughs> Dude, and on Kimmel, he does take a sip of the water. I have to say, I saw it in black and white Sparch. because my video machine. He's not working properly, and I thought... Okay, weird, weird black story, white, dude. Color, actually, yeah, it? it is. My yeah. video color I mean, machine it's, is it's not working. It's an extraordinary movie. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, and you're 
Again, I'm, I'm not big on sycophancy, but you're great, isn't it? Well, thanks. You know what? This leather's really hot. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. He's yes, he's sorry, wearing a full leather jacket. Guys. I, he's dressed exactly uh, as, as Nikki is in the movie. Yeah. And, uh, you're not going to give me, no, don't, you're going to give me your snakeskin jacket, aren't you? No, no, I got to give you my Wild at Heart t-shirt. He's going shirt off, guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's, he's, he's punching the air as he's taking his t-shirt off. Does he have two watches on? Now, he, now he's putting the leather jacket back on, so he's shirtless with the leather jacket. Now putting the microphone back on. This is, this is titillating entertainment we're providing. I used to wonder how those little guys, like, like me right there, how I got into the TV, how they were talking like you, you know? And I wanted to, I tried to figure out ways of getting inside that TV set. So that was the first time I really wanted to be an actor, I think. Yeah. Okay, so, so that, the story was he wanted to be like Mike TV and get inside the TV set like Willy Wonka, and that's how, what he thought actors were. That's how I wanted to be an actor. <clears throat> so anyway, this, this persona of, of Nick Cage in 1992, of him actually being himself on a talk show, is the inspiration for the villain of this movie. I mean, it Nicholas is a pretty Cage good villain. Just he comes to... out and you're just like, what the fuck is wrong with him? And he's doing all of the gestating, the weird, head ticks like he's on methamphetamine yeah flipping his hands through his his thin ass hair that he's just holding on to so tightly <laughs> like that's what i was saying he has such bushy hair but the receding hairline is so bad it's, that yeah it's just, it, it this is this has to be before he had done any hair plugs any plugs he hadn't done them yet so he was still fighting like because what he's only like 26 or something how sad is that and you know bob sturm it's it's kind of a bob sturm hair pattern yeah, but he should have gotten rid of it like way sooner, and he'd look like he's fucking thirty now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I like it. I like his hair now. He's yeah, got- no, no, no. He's he, like definitely did have the plug, the plugage, and and some dye treatments. But but like- he didn't do like like some guys do where they do like the hair plugs to like reestablish some hairline that they never had in their life, like yeah, a straight no, line like right a above their eyebrows. Like he still maintains the. Uh, really high arching peaks and like he has a receding hairline he just kind of filled it out a little yeah bit. it's fluffed yeah it's a, it's a fluff job if you will but like even just watching him in the pool scene where like you know they're like it's Nicolas Cage he's perfect <laughs> and uh, they show him like at the, by the pool just drinking his drink like I hate whiskey, but like when I watch Nicolas Cage smoke cigarettes or drink whiskey, like I want it so bad. Like he makes it so appealing, but just like you just like need to drink more of it, develop a taste. I guess it's just I've ha- I've developed the taste, and you know it's come back up. You know, it's like, it's, it's like it's like we were talking about with interests. Like you got to spread your palate yeah, around, find the one you more... like, and then just drink that one a ton. <laughs> well, we'll see how that goes. But I just like I, I just remember seeing him at the pool thing, and I'm thinking like. Oh my God, he's really hot. And then he stands up and I'm like, I'm so glad they didn't like try to go over the top of like, he's in a fucking Speedo. It's like mm-hmm. he was still in some like classy no, ass bathing suit. Speedo. I know, but that's like, <laughs> I just think that, that that right there would have been an easy thing of like, you know, here's Nick Cage. Like this, this total like, um, I don't want to say like making him evil or making him seem like him seem vain in that way, but like that, I would have thought that they would have tried to make it seem like, oh, I'm here at the beach, and it's like, no, Nick Cage actually doesn't really care about like his surroundings. He just is is himself, so he's not going to put on a speedo because he's in fucking Majorca or whatever. He's going to wear the shorts he was going to wear at his house, along with 
some silk kimono thing that he's hell wearing. yeah dude you know he's got a ton of those at the house he's just like this is my monday kimono and i'm gonna slip out of this to go into the pool. well and and the and the thing that they show to show his narcissism there is that he just assumes javi the guy who is the billionaire picks him up in the nicest cigarette boat you've ever seen right. to drive him across the the water to his island palace and nick just thinks that he's like just a boat driver. Yes. <laughs> like, Hello, Mr. Driver. And he doesn't even like really kind of acknowledge him, even when Javi comes up to the pool area with him like that. He's like, ah, oh, it's he still hasn't put two and two together all the way. Yeah. Or I don't. You've seen the movie. I don't remember the timeline exactly. No, it's mainly that he finds out when he's talking about like they haven't. They're like um, on the dock. Like after, like they're getting yeah, onto yeah, the island, yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. like, "Hey, is this guy gonna want me to suck his dick or watch watch me fuck his wife or something?" <laughs> and he's like, "You know, uh, Javi." He's like, "I am Javi," <laughs> and that's when he does his classic the little hand thing yeah, that yeah. I love, where he's like kind of bowing down. He do, he did that in the <laughs> his, Jimmy Kimmel his episode. Bow. Yes, but he does it in the Jimmy Kimmel episode recently, where he comes on. He's like, "You know, thank you." And it's he, all about branding, you dude, know. It's great if you have a if you have a brand, you got to really like, lean into it. I think the whole hotness factor for me is so much amplified by the fucking male jewelry. I didn't think I was really into it, <laughs> but it's fucking like his like he's got thick extra ass gold rings, extra rings. Oh my god! Ring. Hell yeah, dude! I just didn't even know I. That's what I was craving <laughs> until I saw it, and I was just like. Dude, he's just, he's a piece, like just shirt down. I don't even like hair on the chest, but it does it for me, Nick Cage. I'm loving it. <laughs> so, so obviously they get to the island. Javi's in love with Nick Cage. Nick realizes Javi's a cool guy and wants to, and Javi's like too nervous to get him to read a script. And uh, he overhears, you know, Nick talking about, I just want to fucking get out of here. There's no way I'm going to do this guy's movie i won't even i'm not gonna read his script or whatever so in order to salvage it javi like um sort of manufactures an adventure for them right. and starts to make him sort of to get nick in the mode of acting he like starts a sort of improv session with mm -hmm. them and then they get the, to that forces them to jump off a cliff and then once nick's in you know, in action mode. That, yeah, that was the, this is it. <laughs> it's Let's on. Do it. Then now we can be friends again. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I love that whole dynamic. Um, and then their, their fucking acid trip <laughs> together is great as well. I'm just like, they're driving. Like, I get very anxious about these things. They're driving on a cliff. <laughs> yes. And like a very expensive, probably, you know, hard to get car. I mean, the whole the the greatest part about this movie is is like we're not even focusing on who the bad guy is. Like, like you would normally be like, can't believe this guy came out of nowhere. It's like no, like the movie was set to have like some type of villain. You didn't know who it was, mm -hmm. but then they were chasing after this certain villain together. Like that was part of the story. Because the CIA is too stupid to really figure right. out what's I, going Baron on. Right, Ike Barinholtz and <laughs> Tiffany Haddish are the CIA's best. And then they suck. They're just I do like when he's like, you know, God, can't wait to go back home and work at Sonic. <laughs> and then he's dead. Um, yeah, so, so you know, they try to convince him that Javi's really an arms dealer. And he's like, no way. And, and anyway, they get him to, uh, that he's got, because now Nick's got an inside uh, lane to Javi, they need to, you know, get some more dirt on Javi to prove this case of his arms dealerness. 
So at this party at the mansion, they want Nick to uh, to uh, get get the security camera footage, and uh, they send him on this very Mission Impossible style thing. Which the thing I love about this is that it, this is probably the most um, self-deprecating scene for Nick Cage in the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, he's obviously making fun of himself with Nikki, and he's obviously, when he's doing the read at the beginning, over the top right. and all that. But this is the reality. Like, when in the 90s, Nicolas Cage was the guy who really thought that what he did in the action films meant that he was basically right. like paramilitary level, yeah. like awesome guy who could, if you needed him to save the world, you could call him and he could probably pull yeah. it off. <laughs> I just, I mean, I do think it's funny that at the party they shut, you know, they're like, we're going to, we're going to shut down the lights for just a little bit. Um, just, you know, it's like, I think it was like 30 seconds that, that somehow took the whole system down. So then he, he had four minutes to get into the security system yeah, to reboot. But I just am thinking if I'm Javi's cousin and I know that I've kidnapped someone, I'm not gonna be like, oh, just a flickering of lights, <laughs> nothing to see here during my big ass party. Like, well, they got the backup generator, <laughs> comes right back on, nothing to worry about. I know, but that's kind of what I'm saying is that it is not like the middle of the day when you're running your AC and all of a sudden the lights go out and you're just like, oh wow, that's that was random. Like, and you just think, I would, I would just think that like they would already be on guard, they'd have extra people there, and like just the lights happening to go out, like they're just, oh, all right. Party on. They do, they do like try to uh, block uh, Javi. Like mm-hmm. the, the bodyguards are like, oh, we yeah. don't, this, is, this is an assassination attempt. We can't let this happen. Um, but that's what I'm saying is like, I just, that part you have to kind of suspend some disbelief there because it's like, you don't want him to get, you don't want him to get caught like right. in that moment. And that's where just like he gets the fucking rubs the serum on his yeah, fucking head. The, the knockout serum, the CIA knockout serum. Just, just don't touch your, just don't touch yourself with it. And it's like, we couldn't have gotten him like a fucking Q-tip or something that he could have carried around. And she's like, hello, Nicholas Cage. We're going to give you some of our yeah. most powerful technology. You, you, no training whatsoever. He's, I've got this. Dude, he fucking flew a plane once. Yeah. I don't know. He jumped off a plane dressed as Elvis, dude. He can fucking do anything. <laughs> All for Sarah Jessica Parker. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, the so I think the you know, obviously the the big switch comes when everyone realizes, oh, CIA's stupid. Javi's not the uh, real arms dealer who's got some woman kidnapped uh, or the daughter of the future president kidnapped. It's uh, it's actually Javi's cousin. Mm-hmm. And they just push Javi out there to sort of be the front of all the monies because right. then, you know, no one's looking at where the money's coming from. Um, and uh, so at the same time, you have these juxtaposed scenes where the CIA is like, look, the only thing we can do now is you got to take out Javi. <laughs> that's the only way we may be able to guarantee your safety. You're compromised. Right. right. So well, that's the other thing that leads up to this. The reason why why Nicolas Cage has to be the one to take it into his own hands. And the reason he gets compromised, too, is because Javi brings out Nicolas Cage's family. The one that he had the you know all the trouble with before coming out to see Javi. He ruins his daughter's graduation party. He, he you know, has terrible drunken moment and ruins everything locked out of his hotel room nowhere else to turn yeah he can't can't afford to pay his hotel bill his ex-wife tells him to get his shit together <clears throat> um and 
<laughs> Javi thinks that Nicolas Cage is having creative blockage because he has unresolved issues with his family and that if he can just resolve these issues th with his family then Nick and Javi can go back to writing this blockbuster movie which like <laughs> the fact that he has so much money that he's just like I'll just fly him out here yeah. but I love the way that it's you know having seen it twice now like you get pretty clearly like that, that it's not Javi like whenever you're looking at the clues but when you first see it you're thinking oh shit he fucking brought the family out here mm -hmm. and like that's where it kind of gives you an element of like you go both ways of either like he's very sweet that he was like just so wanting to provide this yeah, intervention yeah just being like hey let's do this so we can really I, I like I care so much about you or it's that he's fucking methodical and like evil because and we're seeing it through Nicolas Cage's paranoia because the CIA has been telling him that Javi's this right. bad guy the whole time so Nick obviously thinks oh man he's brought these things here as leverage to get me to do something and if I don't do it exactly what he asks he's gonna kill my family <laughs> right and then just whenever he's like can I just call my family once he's like call them they're here <laughs> and he's like what I do love the 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 girl who plays his ex-wife I don't know who that is, is yeah yeah famous? yeah she, uh, she's been in uh, quite a bit. She's uh, in Dr. McGillicuddy's. Mostly BBC type of stuff. Oh, God. You that's, know. that's why I haven't watched yeah. it. So I guess I'm out. Guess <laughs> I'm out, sharks. She's been in some funny things. Yeah, I just, I think that like the, there was a little too much sentimental um, stuff that I couldn't, I couldn't buy from the character, but I do love whenever he's kind of talking about, you know, uh, Whenever you and I were growing up, I just did the best I could, and, and they're all kind of like, "Wow, that was really terrible." Like, <laughs> like that's that's what it was, and like, but you realize that he's like, he is also really scared of what's happening, so he's still not trying to go full on. Right, right. Like, what's go, his real he's problem? He's not going right into the therapy session, right? Because like he he's just like, um, I don't know if anything I say will be used or held yeah. against me, so I'm just gonna be like, I was always there, <laughs> always wanted to be there. So um, that's when the CIA intervenes with Nick and tells him, okay, to save your family, to save anything, your cover's blown. Javi knows that's why he brought your family out there. You're going to have to take him out. Right. And at the same time, Javi's cousin has breakfast with Javi and is like, look, did you know that Nicolas Cage is working for the CIA? And Javi's like, no. Like he laughs. It's a guttural laugh. Like two yeah. minutes. He's like, because like when you think about like, him like his character he's thinking like this is my best friend like he would right. never do anything the, like the cia would use a hollywood actor to also that infiltrate the, yeah, our, that the cia yeah. would have been like we think nick cage will get an offer from this fucking drug lord yeah, so let's exactly. just go ahead and i don't know and of course i was so mad when they play the clip of him and being in the bathroom being like i think i could really get into this cia mm -hmm. espionage because he did. He really did. I know, but, but it is so like him to get caught because he was talking about it at the place he was spying on that probably had fucking listening devices. Like, it just don't, not fucking smooth. James Bond isn't like talking into talking to the people and from MI6 in his ear. And so, so then Javi's cousin basically says, uh, you either kill Nick or I'll kill you and the girl you love and everybody, mm -hmm. you know. So then you get really sad puppy dog eyes, Pedro Pascal coming in. <laughs> so, so sad. And they go on that one last, you know, they go, let's go on a drive together. Back to the out, mountains. Back <laughs> and then they, they like are both, you know, trying to size each other up the whole trip. Because, you know, Nick knows that he's going to kill Javi and Javi knows that he's going there to kill Nick. But they don't know that they're going there to kill each other. Right. Somehow. Um, 
and uh, they, I, I, I think the genius, it's, it's very not subtle at all. It's very hit you in the face with the, with a very common trope. But like, you don't know someone until you walk in their shoes. Right. <laughs> and so they have to have the moment like they look at each other's shoes like, oh, those are some nice shoes. Yes, I admire yours as well. You, you want to trade? And I love when he's like, like permanently. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he's like. Okay, <laughs> like uh, would I would love to wear Nick Cage's Vans over those fucking Versace's? Or yeah, yeah, he yeah. Louis Vuitton slippers. He's or whatever like, they, they don't were. offer my church support. <laughs> but in the moment, because it's like, uh, then when they finally have the standoff where they're pointing the guns at each other, they are in each other's shoes and right. lit- and figuratively in each other's shoes, and that's when they realize that neither one of them wants to kill the other one, mm-hmm. and. Then the movie really starts. Like the movie that is going to be the movie that gets made about this experience right. begins there. Right. And, and that's where it's like a little amped up. But I do love whenever the um the girl who's kidnapped, she's like, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> awesome. Like <laughs> yeah. she doesn't seem very affected that she's just been in a fucking cell for Well, because she got kidnapped while she was watching Connor. Yeah, dude. How tight is that? <laughs> That'd be so fucking tight. Oh my god. So like, imagine her delusion that she's been like locked in a closet for this long, and like the last thing she saw was Nicolas Cage giving the bunny to his daughter. And, and she I, does season. she even know this is real? That Nicolas Cage is the one that's saving her? Like, is it this all in my head? Am I actually dead now? Yeah, and this exactly. is my like. Weird He's wearing final an Italian moment. soccer sweatshirt, sweatsuit, <laughs> or whatever, but it looks like Nick Cage. Yeah. So yeah, the then you know Javi and Nick have some you know fun kind of buddy cop type of uh, shenanigans to get away from the henchmen and then hatch a plan to get the family or get the kidnapped people back and all you know that's when it turns into like the Hollywood action movie. And then to let you know that it actually does turn into the Hollywood action movie in the final, you mm-hmm. know, moment of the movie where, you know, the the bad guy is getting shot. All of a sudden, all the characters change, except for Nicolas Cage. Of course. He's still playing himself, himself. in this third level of the movie. <laughs> um, but uh, now there's like a new actress playing his daughter and a different actress playing his wife and a different actor playing uh Yeah, kind of juggy girl for character. the daughter, honestly. <laughs> yeah. It made me uncomfortable when she runs towards him because then I'm like, I get that it's like Hollywood, Hollywood up, but like his daughter was watching the show with him, you know, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. here comes her just like boom, boom, and fucking Demi Moore's the mom. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> You had the you had the inside track on that because like I could tell it was her because like her long ass share hair like it's fucking Demi or share, and uh, you know nobody else knew that it was her. Whenever it was like you know we did it, Nick, we really did. And you, I think you probably heard like you know Demi Moore. Yeah, yeah. They described it. I started laughing from the description before the reveal happened on the screen, and everyone else got it. Yeah, the audio description really gave that one away for me. Yeah, that's kind of (laughs) that ruined everything for you. It didn't ruin it. I, that's that was the reveal for me. It just yeah. happened a few seconds yeah. ahead of what you guys got. Just like I love you, Daddy. That is so Nick Cage movie ending, though. You know, like like that he would have a movie like that where all this, all of the the storytelling, the like coming coming of age that he's mm. finally going to grow up and pay to. And, and did like, he really you, solve any of the narcissism? Because now he just. Like oh well, I guess the 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 uh, cap on it is the very end, right? Where they watch Paddington where they watch 2. Paddington two together because now 
it's her choice to watch the movie, and Nicolas Cage now has a respect for the movie because Javi had showed it yeah. to him and said it was his favorite movie, and they bonded over that. So really, if uh, Nick Cage's badass friend hadn't told him right. about Paddington 2, he'd be like, fuck no, we're not watching Paddington 2. If, if Javi hadn't opened his eyes to what an elitist prick he was about films. His own movies, too. Yeah. yeah. Then he would have been like, fuck you, daughter. We're not watching Paddington 2. We're going to watch this 1930s <laughs> indie film again. What are you talking about? Poor thing. So at least you get like a little glimpse of maybe there is that redemption part of uh, he's has some sort of uh, self-revelation about his narcissism. But it's not totally because they're at the premiere of the movie about himself that is the movie about an experience that he right. had and his daughter is sitting next to him adoring the fact that she gets to sit next to him yeah. watching himself in a movie that he wrote about himself it's like it's just the layers <laughs> there's a lot of narcissism really still stacked upon itself definitely <laughs> so you liked it i did did you like it yeah i liked it a lot well, it was a great one. We'll have to figure out something else to do next. You know, be back in a month. See if Nick makes another movie. Yeah, I think we just probably need to deep digger and deep digger, dig deeper in the catalog. Um, maybe watch Paddington too. Um, yeah. Maybe Doctor <laughs> no. McGorkles. Well, what's, whatever. What's the What's the one that he did the voiceover work that everyone the was crew, the crew the crew yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> My kids love crudes. When he's like. I'm a 41-year-old man. Why would I fucking watch Crudes? But that was the one I was telling you about how I watched him doing voice acting. And, like, I love watching any actors do it. But just him in particular. You know, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, my God, hands in the air, just really going mm -hmm. out. And he's always like, all right, family. Like, he's just himself <laughs> kind of thinking. Like, he sounds like he thinks he's putting on an accent. And we're like, sounds just like you. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't changed it at all. Yeah, his Southie accent that yeah, he has just... to use for the one line <laughs> at the end of the movie. Yeah, medulla oblongata. Says, medulla oblongata. Medulla oblongata. <laughs> Before the trigger goes click. I don't even remember the fucking thing. But, but it's the worst Boston accent. Yeah. But that, Holy that, shit. It makes me wonder if he can do a Boston accent or if they were like, yeah, what's your Boston accent like, Nick? And he started and you're like, perfect, don't change a thing. That's exactly. what we're going to go they're with. Like, they're like, it's terrible. So they were like, okay, that's actually too good. Could you maybe dumb it down? They're like, oh, no, no notes. Yeah. <laughs> keep going. All right, bud, it's been great. I'm I'm happy we got back together, Megan. I know. Well, like I said, next Monday. All right. Until All right. next time. Bye. Bye.